doesn't seem like it's going well so far. Does not seem like uh I had it turned off. The mic turned off. Oh, okay. Talking into it for like like a good a good three seconds. Like, can you hear me? And then that thought goes through my mind, like, what the fuck is going wrong this time? And you know, it was just like the soundboard. Yeah. Yeah, I told you I got the soundboard. Um Yeah. How you doing, man? You know, um (laughs) I could be better and I could be worse. You know, that's that's pretty much it. I have been better and worse, and I could be better and worse. I don't know, I man. I'm listing my apartment. I want someone to fucking buy this shithole so that I can, like, not pay rent. But, you know, listing it in, like, mid-early December um, for the next month, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, so wait, this is, this is actually kind of a fucked situation. Do you want to go into it a little bit more? Uh, yeah, so... I don't know. Do you want the long version or the short version? The Spark Notes version. <laughs> we got we got time. Give me give me give me the long version. So um, yeah. So the long version is I I am in this I'm in this apartment. I'm on a nice comfy month to month lease, and I can just tell my landlord, yeah, I'm gonna move out, and then my lease is up, like in a month or so. Then I find out that it's been bought, and the manage like their manager is like now one of the biggest companies that's on my campus and i actually looked up uh who actually bought it because it's not you know the the management but it's this fucking state of virginia capital fund that literally is just a gigantic landlord that's that's the entire and i think they do like you know landlording for businesses too like i don't fucking care they so they bought my place they immediately charged upcharged ten percent, and said the month to month is not is not a thing anymore. And uh, then they forced me to lock into a, a like a end renewal, and they said that the the what? rate will yeah like a like a end part like in June sometime. Like I had now I have till June until the, like the they lease they up. made you sign a six a six month. Oh, uh, it was a nine month actually. Oh fuck. But yeah, now I'm now I'm trying to look for someone to take over because I'm graduating, and the rent after is I've heard is going to be closer to like twelve hundred a month. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it's it's what they've done since they bought the place is they've put new wooden stairs over the cracked cement stairs. And they didn't destroy the cracked cement stairs because that requires a permit or something. And they put these really ugly, narrow even, like metal aprons over the over the door so that people can stand there when it's raining, I guess, and open the door and not have, you know, rain come down on them. They moved the dumpster, which is a dumb idea, because it was next to the mailbox, so I could just toss my junk mail away. Now I have to walk all the way over to fucking do it. Would you and, say uh, would you say that was a garbage idea? It was a, a trash ass idea, motherfucker. Seriously, don't who did this shit. Um, so I, I I made sure to christen the garbage can yesterday by tossing in very large furniture that I was not going to sell. Uh, I know they're going to get very upset. Like the garbage company is gonna is gonna yell at the property manager, and then the property manager, like a month later, will be like, "Hey, stop putting furniture." I'm gonna put more furniture in there. By the way, I'm not done. <laughs> These guys are gonna have a. I'm putting a really big dresser in there because I broke two of the wooden like cabinets, I guess. And it's, it's just bad enough where I'm like, we're not even going to, I'm not even listing it on, 
on any like marketplace or Craigslist or anything. I'm just going to dump it once I don't need it anymore. It's, I mean, it holds my furniture now, but like, yeah, I, I might dump it. I might dump it after laundry tomorrow. So, but yeah, now, uh, now these, now I need to find someone to take over this lease. I might, I might try and bargain with these people to, to try and, uh, just have it, have my lease terminated. And cause it's early enough. Like maybe they, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try and bargain with them to, to get out of this lease, do anything. Yeah. I feel like if you explain your situation to them, which no, they won't care at all. I know that I at least try. I feel like you should at least try. They'll be like, well, I mean, there's no way you could have really seen that coming. I can also tell them like, I just don't have any money to pay you. Like I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any income now. And I am completely beyond being able to pay. I could just lie and say that I don't have more than like one month's rent. Like I probably have like three ish, probably two ish actually. I don't know, but that's probably what it's looking like is is a two ish or three ish. Yeah, I mean, rent. I was, but I could just say like I literally cannot pay you, so you have to figure something out here. I was actually looking at this um, a couple of days ago, you know, because I'm I'm already trying to start planning my escape from Birmingham. Um, next year and uh if i stay with my current company for a year that would be that would take me to may and i would still have like six or seven months on my lease i think yeah and i know in alabama the kind of the rule about it is if you break your lease you are sort of expected to keep paying rent until your landlord finds another tenant but your landlord is also expected to make like proactive efforts to find a new tenant, which, okay. Yeah. How do you enforce that? Yeah. You but, don't. <laughs> um, generally from the stuff I was reading is that like, usually in Alabama, you only end up paying like another month's rent. Um, at least, you know, in, especially in a city like Birmingham. So I don't know if it's, if it's going to be the same in your area where maybe even if things don't work out, like if you kind of go with that story of like, Oh, I only have enough to, you know, cover another month's rent they'll they'll probably find somebody else in the in the meantime i feel like they could be able to like they probably have enough people that are like trying to apply for their shit and maybe they i don't know you know i don't know if an extra room can't hurt them but i could i can certainly say like i've been proactive in trying to list this place for over a month now like i've got it posted on two and going on three places where i'm uh, listing it so I might even just call them tomorrow and say like, Hey, this is my situation. I'm going to move out in like early January at some point. I cannot pay you after this because my contract with the school is ending. So I don't know what we're going to do here, but you're not going to get any, you're not going to get six and a half months more rent for me. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Definitely better to, to get that out of the way sooner rather than later. Yeah. So that's a, that's what's kind of, I don't know. I'm not even really bummed out. Like I'm, bu- I'm more bummed out, and I'm, and I'm gonna lead this into, I'm gonna lead this into a topic uh, that I posted. But I have, uh, I, I recognized. I might have even said this. Uh, no, actually, no. It's, it's not been that long. I, uh, did we say that la- on the last show that like I got an email from my advisor saying that my funding has expired? I don't think you said that on the last show. I think you just sent it a message. Yeah, that was like. Yeah, fuck. That was like last Thursday or last Wednesday or something. So it has not been an extra show. But um, yeah, that broke me down pretty hard. I gotta say, it's like there's not really much finality that of of any like 
long-term life situation that you can impose on yourself. Like I can, I've been constantly saying like, yeah, it's going to happen any day now. I'm going to graduate. And now, you know, in the last two months, it's actually been pretty real. Like I kind of know that I was going to graduate. And then my, uh, my advisor says, um, by the way, your funding is expiring on December 31st. So you better, you know, wrap this shit up. Judge Judy points at her clock and shit. Um, so, you know, the gifts, um, but yeah, is it, that is is that something that your advisor would have known like relatively far in advance, or is it something that he only um, knows because of he or she only knows because of the current status of like your thesis and stuff? I mean, it was probably going to be like the, he probably foreplanned this like a while ago. You know, I think it was determined before that I would get my thesis done in the middle of the semester, but that just didn't happen with the national lab visit, plus you know other work popping up, plus. You know, maybe I added a little bit more resolution to my work that took on maybe two to three weeks extra, but whatever. He probably knew this in, in a while ago, and it's and it's I'm I'm totally fine with it. Like I'm not slighted at all. Like it was always going to be the plan, um, but it's just like the act of receiving that message and someone else right. saying, you know, not even just someone else, someone else with the power says, "Yeah, you're done here." Yeah, like and I was always going to be done here, but it's like. Once, once you have someone that has the power to tell you that, you're like, oh, fuck, he's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, this is real. So I've, uh, I've, I've been listening, and I've, I've already said this before, I kinda, I, I've had my crying little phase, but I've, I've definitely felt like part of me is dying in this because it's, it's leaving a permanent part of you in the past. And, I, and it, it, it's been four years, so it's, it's been pretty emotional. I've said before about, you know, I said it to Sam too, you know, that like, you know, part of my twenties is just completely gone because of this whole thing. And, you know, I'm just, there's a lot of emotion. So uh, what I wanted to lead that into is uh, the, the concept of, of an epilogue and that like ever since then, and maybe like a week before it, ever since I submitted my thesis, really, I have been, I have been listening to epilogue music, like, only like outros and 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 all of that stuff <laughs> why are you laughing it's not funny it's not funny it's just kind of it's i've just never heard of anyone doing that before of like getting yeah, to I that point in like, for... <laughs> <laughs> i've just never heard of any like you know getting to that point in their life where they're you know going through a big transitional period where it's it's the end of something very important and so i mean i i get the idea of like listening to music that fits your mood and everything where that is relevant to your current situation but just exclusively listening to like epilogue stuff is kind of like that's that's a fun one so i've uh i wanted to ask you this is one thing i wanted to ask is what are some what are some good epilogue songs like just not necessarily have to be from a show not necessarily have to be from any like visual medium but like you know, outros on like ending songs on an album. Um, any like you know big long wrap ups because there's a lot of them, especially from the from like the 70s to the 90s and stuff, and even into so, the 2000s. Wait, so you're looking for like very very long ending songs because not necessarily long. Like in terms of just something that kind of wraps up the overall feeling of an album. Um, the first thing that actually came to mind was from the that first American football LP, the one with the Wurlitzer, like that little kind of slow, moody piano track at the end. 
just an instrumental. That always felt like a good epilogue to me. Like everything's just kind of wrapping up with that one. You, you go through this whole album of like very strong, nostalgic emotion. And there's almost like not a resolution to it. You know, it's just like, well, things just kind of keep moving. You know, I've always really liked that one. I've got to say, I feel the exact same way. But I feel that for Stay Home and not The World, Sir. I think The World, Sir, is like the epilogue to the epilogue. It's like, I don't know, it's like the <laughs> denouement of the album. But I, I feel like Stay Home has been the uh, the epilogue song. But I well, do stay like home. Stay Home a lot. Stay Home is, is uh, I, it's, it's, you know, this is one of those albums where it's tough to pick which what's the best song on it because there's a few, like, there's a few valid picks. I mean, I think Never Meant is obviously a valid pick there. Uh, for sure is another valid pick for me. And Stay Home is the, was that your cat? No, that was me going, <laughs> the Never Meant <laughs> intro. Like <laughs> I, was, I was far away from the mic. That's probably why. But yeah, also, she's, um, like, right next to the mic, and I am, like, scratching her head. So it could also be her purring. Okay. So, yeah, those and, and Stay Home. Um, Stay Home's a fun one. Do you want to tell me why you like that song? Because there's a I, – I may have talked about why I love that song so much um, in a different episode. But do you want to get into it first? Um, I would say I like Stay Home just because it's – I, be, I like it because it carries really well. It it kind of has the same effect as the um as the play out or like the fade out, but it doesn't fade out. Like it's it's very it has the same same exact effect. I like the vocals a lot. I love the continued rhythm and it and it just it changes it changes how it's delivering the rhythm, but it constantly delivers the same rhythm throughout the song. And I, I, I just like it for, I like that. And, uh, the summer, the summer ends for just like laying on my couch, you know, eyes closed and just constantly, you know, fading out myself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I think summer ends, um, that is, um, that's, it's, I mean, you know, this could probably be said for, for most tracks on that album, but that's like a peak breakup song. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good breakup songs on that. <laughs> <laughs> breakup album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I really like Stay Home. One, that intro is just like absolute keno, that build up where they just slowly start, you know, they start off with that sort of off rhythm and they just keep adding layers in. Like I'm I'm into that. Like that's yeah, the that's snare drum is big. awesome in that. Yeah. Um, but I also I love the lyrics to that song. Um at first, I kind of thought Stay Home was supposed to be like a sad song. Like it's about a guy who wants to just like stay home all the time or something. Uh, but it's really not. It's 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 a really pissed off song, actually, because, uh, you know, the the opening lines to the song are um, or I'm sorry, not the opening lines, but um, there's a section of the song. And I'm going to look up the lyrics real quick just to make sure I get this right. Um, no, it is the opening lines to the song. Okay. It says, don't leave home again if empathy takes energy because everyone feels just like you. So like the whole idea there is just like, if you cannot be bothered to actually try and understand how other people are feeling, which you should be able to do because everyone feels like you, like we're all going through the same shit. So if you can't understand that, 
then just stay home. Like, don't bother anybody else. Like, don't, don't, like, like, fuck off, you know? I've heard you describe this before, and I, I like it when you ex- just explain it. Because, <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's, that's the whole point of the song. Like, you gotta, you know, life's about being with other people. So if you really just are not, you know, on that page, then just stay the fuck home, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good piece of bitterness that people often forget exists in, in a lot of Midwest emo. Like, in not in not such an explicit way because there's plenty of explicit bitter songs but that one is very it's very classy i guess is a way to say it on on keeping the bitterness to an undertone but also delivering it fairly well right like it's so it's such a well composed song that you wouldn't really you wouldn't guess and and like i was saying earlier the song carries such a sad mood to it that it kind of sounds like you know maybe this is just about a guy who just wants to stay home uh because he's like has social anxiety or something because you know that's life so social um but now you know they just they express like multiple ideas at once there which is i feel like that's incredibly hard to do yeah i think so too the uh the song that i have been listening to or one of the songs i would say it's the song that i've been listening the most to is uh is motion picture soundtrack on kid a from the Radioheads. From Tom York and the Radioheads. Yeah, from, from Tom and the and the Radioheads. Yeah. Um, is that the one that's like I will see you in the next life? And I'll edit that out with Tom York actually, because no one needs to hear that but you. Yeah, that that's that's the song. I don't I don't like that last line, but like everything before that is you know, it's a really shitty fucking vocal line. In the next life. Okay, well now I have to leave me doing it in because you did it too. Just gunshots over all of it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I like everything before that where he just goes, "I think you're crazy." Like, oh, that's really good. And even the stuff with the harp on it too like he does that really well yeah yeah um another one i guess i don't know do you have anything else you want to say about that one because i just found another one there's sort of i guess what you like what you were saying with the american football album where there's like an epilogue and then an epilogue to the epilogue yeah. um songs about leaving i i can't believe that one didn't pop in my mind where the last song is the low budget slow motion soundtrack um which popped in my head because you mentioned motion picture soundtrack um and that's the one that's just like, you know, I will keep waiting. I'll just keep waiting for you. Uh, so that's the second to last song on that album. And it's just very, you know, slow, sad acoustic guitar chords that started out until they they get into that like dual vocals that, you know, is part of what makes Chris as weird who they are. Um, and, you know, then there's like the strings and the slow drums and everything. And then the end is um, March 19th. 1983 it was probably green um that one i didn't get it for the longest time wait which one again was that it's the 12th track on the album it's march 19th 1983 it was probably green i don't think i've listened to this one i don't think i've listened to chris's red chris is weird you've listened to songs about leaving you have to have there's no way you haven't listened to that one that's the one that no, like, sometimes... i have i have oh, really listened to it no oh man i've talked about it before as one that like currently really... in seattle washington 
well, I mean, they're basically broken up, but um, that's one where it, it's a very sad album um, where the, the, the title songs about leaving kind of has like a dual function in here because, you know, it's on one, on one part, it's a, it's a breakup album, but on the other part, it's like, you know, songs about leaving, like people are talking about jumping out of windows and shit. Um, and sometimes it, it leans a little too hard into like some kind of self-pity. Um, but overall it's, it's still, I mean, I think it's still a great album. I have it as a four. I can't, I can't knock it any lower than that. Um, but the last song, um, it's talking about someone whose favorite color was probably green. And from stuff I've read about that, that's like a metaphor for someone who died too young. Yeah. I've heard that one. That's a, that's, that's one of the rare ones. There's not a lot of like, I don't think it's like that people would wear green to a funeral, but they might actually, I feel like no, I kind of remember that. Like maybe I think I remember at a at a at a funeral that people had like green ribbons. I, it's I don't think it's um it's about people wearing anything to a funeral. I think it's about like a a plant that's young is green. Like it hasn't made it to, you know, orange. It hasn't red. become brown. Yeah, or yeah. or yeah, it hasn't gotten to those like aged colors yet. So I've uh I've got to listen to these guys. This is like one that that I have a that has a lot of ratings and is bolded and is up there and like the, the whatever friends on our way that i have like 10 ratings like that does not happen i think i've heard of i think i've just like never this is just an album that i've never gotten around to so you I haven't just, listened to any of their stuff though not a single thing oh, not start, anything rated just yeah listen to their three bolded albums i haven't gotten to the scrapbook album yet because i feel like that i thought that was just like outtakes or something um if I was going to go like quick over their whole discography, I mean, the first album, um, I don't really remember most of it. I've given it a few listens and just not much stuck out, stuck out to me. But the second song on there, Drunk with the Only Saints I Know, that is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Damn, that's, that's pretty high. Which, yeah. wait, so that's the second album? Or is that the, that's fir the first second, one? Okay, second song on the first album? Yeah, on Yo, this is a nice album cover. I really like that one. It reminds me of that uh the F sharp A sharp cover actually. I was gonna say it reminded me of the same thing too. I didn't understand a word of that. I said I was gonna say the same thing too, but uh. I didn't say it. <laughs> it's a fucking stupid square on the maroon. Yeah, yeah, basically that's it. <laughs> um the second album, you should be at home here. That's got a, a few other a few other Chris's weird classics on it. Um, the color that your eyes change with the color of your hair. That's a great song. A loose hair falls into a glass of water without ice. That's a great song. Fear not, my friend, for tonight we ride. That's a good instrumental. Um, these are modest, arms. these are modest mouse tier length <laughs> yeah, of titles. They're, they're awful, I think. Um, <laughs> I do. Blessed Arms That Hold You Tight, Freezing Cold and Alone, that's like a good song. And All Apologies and Smiles, Yours Truly, Ugly Valentine, that's another really good song. But the rest is like, I don't care about it. Mm -hmm. You just uh, you just described the, the four top highest rated songs on the song rankings for that album, by the way. I what, hate when I agree with these people. <laughs>
Except uh, except Brooke Daniels, uh, that's only a four point one in this tenth song. The last one, you should be at home here is a four two. So, I mean, honestly, I was kidding. You're about four out of five, bro, my man. I don't know. This is that's actually now that I'm looking at it, it's a weird example of an album that's very middle loaded. Like, I don't think the front's very good. And I don't think the back is very good, but the middle is outside of the second song. Like the middle is pretty consistent. I could not name a single album that is like that. I've, I, I have never come across an album that is like that. Couldn't even think of one. If you ask me, um, I want to add one more song on the, on the list that I have not listened to this week. And I just recalled, um, it is a song by the go team in 2004 on their album, thunder lightning strike. Uh, album cover is very nice. Very good collage of colors. And uh, it's the last song on there. It's called Everyone's a VIP to Someone. And uh, it's got a really it's got a really nice banjo and like a like other like a lot of other instruments that's on there. I mean, some like whack ass flute with like electronic flute or something that's on there. That's pretty cool. Um, but it's a nice song. Oh, also, I got to say there's a harmonica on this song. Very nice harmonica. It's not a shit harmonica, I'll say that. But, um, so yeah, that's 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 the outro songs. I'm listening to epilogue music. I'm, I'm also still fucking dick deep in Midwest emo shitty mixes. I fucking heard an American football song on the emo. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Get this shit off the fucking mix. This is supposed to be like stuff that people have not heard a lot all the time. They put never meant like midway through. I'm like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? And I, I closed it I, out of disrespect. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 Fucking all right. <laughs> so now that we're now that I just got to that one, that's the new drop for the day. Can you uh can you tell me what it's from? <laughs> yeah, that's that's Kendrick Lamar. That's yeah. uh that's Kendrick Lamar. Uh it's on section eighty. Yep. And yeah, I don't fucking no. Um, You're so close. Uh, you almost got it. It's uh, looking up the section eighty. I'm not gonna listen to any of it, but I'm looking up the song listing. Is that Ronald like Reagan era? I'm right. I'm right. Give me the cheers. Fucking send in the cheers. Let's fucking go. He's done it. He's done it. <laughs> fucking done it let's go <laughs> that's not might not happen again soon <laughs> so um so speaking of people getting shot what's this, <laughs> this week <laughs> so uh so first give me your give me your overarching hot takes on the sopranos whether it's comparison um, show overall show one season show casting characters anything pick it apart hot takes i don't the thing is i haven't talked to enough people about the show to like understand what the hot takes are um that's a good thing i guess if i was rattling off some some quick things off the top um the ending was great that's the first one uh second one uh i actually wish that uh chris would have suffered more um Yeah, absolutely. Three, um, Ralphie, uh, terrible person. Um, <laughs> I wish he would have lived longer. And he did not deserve to die the way that he did. And oh, the shit no. he went through at the end, he didn't deserve that. 
even though he was absolutely a fucking garbage ass human being. He was very, very <laughs> low. Do you do you give him credit for making fun of Joey Sax's fat white? I thought it, I mean it's it's <laughs> it's funny how much shit that really put in place. Um that's <laughs> like good whole, writing. the whole rest of the show. <laughs> like, Joey Sack hated them for the rest and then and then Polly fucking retardo. Um <laughs> I hated him too. Like that was the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, other uh, quick takes. Phil. Uh, Phil Leotardo. Phil. Which one was Phil? Phil was Phil Leotardo, the guy with the white hair and the would always dress pretty well. That was trying to kill Tony at the end, but got got himself oh, first right. and got his right. fucking skull run over by a car with his kids in right. it. That was a great scene, by the that way. That was a really good scene. Um, Phil, he 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 deserved everything he had coming to him because that shit with um with Vito, where Vito, absolute dumbest motherfucker in the entire show. <laughs> there is nobody, nobody who did dumber shit than Vito. Where, look, bro, you made it. You got out. You did it. You got what you wanted. Like it was fine. But the dude was so fucking addicted to the money. And uh, his his like short term boyfriend or whatever pointed it out to him that like what he loved really was the lifestyle and he couldn't give that up and he and he was right Mr Johnny Cakes was his his name um, he was right Vito couldn't give up the lifestyle uh, of like the you know the fast lifestyle of making money and and you know drinking and playing poker and all that kind of shit where he. He got what he wanted, dude. He escaped the fucking life, and he was able to like be gay in peace. But nope, had to had to go back. None of that would have happened if Finn just sucked his dick at a Yankees game. <laughs> Finn's a pussy. Finn's such a pussy for he, not sucking dick. And then dick. he never flew. And then he never went or stuck with the with the meadow at the end. Like, bro, get the fuck out of here. How could you not? How could you not, man? She is a dime, dude. Meadow, Hottest okay, girl on yes. the show, not even yes. close. Absolute dime, but she sold. She sold the fuck out, and I can't respect her. Why do you think she sold out? At the end, that's what she was doing for for her law career, right? She was uh, working at a, a white collar defense firm. I thought that she was. I thought that she was going after white collar crime. Like that's what you know. Tony told her, like, yeah, but just not us. Like. She was oh, always. I got that wrong then. She was always going to uh, try. Like she, she was a very, very strong foil to the whole family because she just, she was the only one that had her shit together. And so, of course, like, sort of, they, but she they, was a fucking emotional wreck too. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would call her an emotional wreck, but she, she's just definitely had her emotions as any young professional woman would have. Her whole family's dysfunctional. Her son, her not her son, her younger brother's a fucking loser. Her dad is, is a total <laughs> mob kingpin, and I don't know. I don't think she ever had anything out with her mom, but you know, she just did not really enjoy the men that were in the family. And you know, I can I don't blame her at all. But they made her a very strong foil because, of course, she had to be the one that was a lawyer and end up you know trying to prosecute white collar crime and she, the civil defense stuff which is totally against you know the cultural stuff of her family you know they're just you know italians that want to keep the neighborhood italian and all that stuff so yeah I, I wasn't surprised that they really made her out to be uh 
against not against the family, but no, unlike no, no. the family. I'm looking it up right now. And uh, on the Sopranos wiki, it says she seemed to have abandoned her dreams of becoming a pediatrician or giving pro bono legal aid to oppressed minorities in favor of a lucrative career defending white collar criminals. Motivated by the quote unquote treatment of Italians she found exemplified in her father's arrest by the FBI. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, she sold the fuck out. Yeah, that's fucking lame. I don't really I don't really know. Like, I mean, as a character, like does she do like she doesn't do anything in the whole show like she has no real purpose well you're right about that that i feel like she has a sort of almost a lack of agency in the show and i don't i don't think she has no purpose though i think she's supposed to be a reflection of her and aj both fit into this as reflections of the contrast between tony and carmela's desires for their kids yeah, that's so, probably like, true. Tony at the end is like kind of sad that she didn't become a doctor because he wanted, you know, he basically wanted his sins to be made up for through his kids. And so when Meadow talks about being a doctor, he's like, that's somebody who's putting some good into the world. So like all the bad I did was worth it if I could have a child who is putting good into the world. Um, Carmela is just basically happy that her daughter is doing something that's going to make her money because that's Carmela's life. You know? <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's true. The whole Paris trip really, really proved that like she is a total liar until the very end. And she knows, she knows deep down that, that Adriana was killed, but she won't, she won't make a move because the money's too nice. Tony's too nice. And Tony can literally walk on over her with a new girl every week. And Carmela really doesn't care like she pretends to care because i mean that'll probably be the only way that tony stays interested in her she really doesn't like as long as he keeps you know putting food on the table and giving her big bags of cash like she doesn't give a fuck right and they even there's even a scene where they they mention this um i think it's one of the scenes where tony's talking to uh dr melfi which do you pick up on her name or i mean i feel like that's supposed to be obvious i mean the psychiatrist yeah Ah, I just kind of mentally call her the psychiatrist. Okay. I, I thought it was interesting that her name is Dr. Melfi, which is very close to Dr. Milfi. And, you know, Tony has issues with his mom and eventually, you know, has desires to, um, you know, sleep with Dr. Melfi. So it's like, oh, okay. All right. I see where this is. For like half the uh, show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they end up saying at one point that part of the agreement that Tony and Carmela reached was that, you know, he's going to be more involved around the home and stuff like that. And Carmela is not going to ask about his like extracurricular activities or whatever. Um, and for a while, you know, he, he actually did kind of like stop doing that kind of stuff, but that's not really what it's about for Carmela at the end of the day. She, she wants to be able to pretend. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, was, I wasn't really going to say anything else. Okay. Uh, I was also going to say AJ, um, maybe one of the biggest fail sons in TV history. Yeah, if he's got to be up there. He's got to be up there. He's such a bozo. He's such a complete waste of life. You know, the whole thing with the car at the end where he burned the car. My man, how do you do that? Like, that is 
frying catalytic converter with leaves and stuff that is such a fucking mistake i mean i guess he left it running on the side of the road and it just blew up like yeah that's a fail and all the other stuff turns into a you know that's what happens when you read too much internet and you're like browse the news <laughs> and you're just like the country's a joke Wow, oh, like just stop go outside touch grass please and he just wouldn't do it so we wanted to join the army and speak Arabic. Like he, he, he had no real ambition. He would yeah. always like, and I guess that's the reflection of Tony is that he would go to the new hobby, like week to week to week or, you know, month to month in the show. And um, he constantly would just get these new ideas. He wanted to do a club, wanted to do drums. He never set his mind to anything and stuck with it. And, at the end of the day, like at the very end of the show, he's a fucking loser. He's no no anything. Never went to school. Got kicked out of school. Yeah, I guess I guess that's pretty good. Like, like maybe they're those are the outcomes if like you know they didn't have organized crime of like Carmela and Tony. Like Carmela would have been a lawyer. Eh, maybe not a lawyer, but you know she would have been somewhat successful, and Tony would have been just a, a literal nobody, a literal nothing. See, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's um, versions of their lives that would have happened if there was no organized crime, and maybe even kind of categorizing it as um, reflections of the the contrast between what the two wanted for their kids is is kind of wrong. Um, maybe it's a little bit more of how do I put this into words? It's like. No, I guess maybe you are right. Where AJ, he, he, it's not like he was bad at the things that he tried, you know, like he, he sounded like a decent drummer when he was practicing and his whole, like, you know, wanting to host a club idea, like he did host a successful party. Um, he was just, it's it's almost like it was a bad compromise maybe between like maybe Car maybe uh Meadow was a good compromise between Tony and Carmela where AJ is a bad compromise between the two of them because AJ had the talents to do uh, a bunch of different things and like you know he had the soprano name he could have been pulling left and right if he wanted to or if he really knew how to yeah. but he didn't stick with things for that long because you know he didn't have to like he he didn't have the pressure that maybe like tony had on him to to be like his father um because carmelo was so uh protective of him which is the thing that like tony is talking to dr melfi about like the thing that he would have wanted more um is if his mother was more protective of him uh as opposed to his father but you know, once that does happen, it's like, okay, this guy has, you know, the money and the name and, and can do the things that he wants. And like, what does he do with it really? Like, what does he do if his mother is so protective? He doesn't do anything with it. Um, and Meadow, she, she ends up having, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call it like the smarts of her mother um, or like the, the general ability to carry herself in the way that her mother does. Um, and she gets the, the sort of 
the uh, personality from from Tony, where she's you know constantly defending um, Tony from like Finn when he tries to talk about like, oh, your dad's a, like a fucking mafia king or whatever. She's like, well, you know, there's reasons for all this. And it goes back to people who never had justice done for them. So they had to do the justice themselves. And she gets into all of that. Um, but she doesn't have the. I don't know, maybe she even does have the sense of of right and wrong that Tony does. But hers is like warped in such a way where Tony will do bad shit, but he knows that it's wrong. Whereas Meadow will do bad shit, but she thinks that it's right. And that's that's what she gets to in defending white-collar criminals. Is She's doing bad shit, but she thinks that it's right because the Italian-Americans have been so mistreated over time. Whereas Tony will fucking kill a motherfucker, but he knows deep down that, like, man, I wish I didn't have to do that. Like, I, I don't want to do that. It shouldn't be something that I should have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you think of... Uh... What do you think of um, Jackie Jr. earlier in the show? Did he get what he deserved? Jackie Jr. Um, Jackie Jr. was the that was, was the early guy. on. Yeah, it was the guy from like the other part of the family that Tony was trying to set Meadow up with, and this guy did not deserve Meadow in any regard. But Tony kept giving him like third chances, and then eventually just had him popped. Like this is a like this is a joke. You're it was a. It was like the hooker, like he was at the strip club thing, and Tony caught him, and he. That wasn't what had him popped because I remember he gave him one last chance after that, and maybe it was drugs or something. But he he was just like, "This is, this is fucking stupid. I'm I'm out of here. You're you're done, kid." Yeah, yeah. Um, how did he? How did he die? <laughs> There's it's the it's he got like he was walking to his car and like. I think it was Vito that like popped up behind him and shot him in the head. And like it's it's posted a lot because it's like cinematography wise, like really bad because it's old TV and the gunshot sound is really shit. So maybe you could put that one in like the in the collage of, of sounds on your board because that when Jackie Jr. gets shot, like the it's it's shot really poorly. Like I will say that, but it's very funny. Wait, does it sound like one shot? No it, sounds, it sounds like? no, it sounds way worse. Does it sound like... No, it does not sound like that. It does not sound like Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> um, that was something that was kind of funny about the early Soprano seasons to me is that I felt like a lot of the effects and like, you know, dramatic moments and stuff uh, just were not carried out very well because it was like, you know, 2001 or something. And I yeah. guess the budgets just were not there. Yeah, it was uh, 99 to 07. Like that's the whole span of the show, so they do have nine eleven in it. They do have like you know the stocks when fucking Chris is like scamming people on biopharmaceutical stocks and uh, <laughs> beat the beat the shit out of people that won't get them to sell it or something or like buy it uh, that are in on the scam. What's uh? What are your thoughts on on Polly and Sill? Um, Sill, that's a dude that really understood himself. I think that's the one character in this show who really knew his lane and for the most part stayed in it because it gets to, you know, even at the end when I think Tony's in the hospital and stuff and, and Sill's wife is, I, I don't know if that's his wife or his, his uh, guma, is that what they call him? Yeah, guma. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was his wife or his Gamal that was that was talking about like, you know, if Tony does die, then potentially you could take over. And still it's just kind of like, you know, I don't see myself as that. Like, that's not me, bro. I'm not the boss. I'm I, I like to play the background, you know. And as soon as he does start thinking about like, well, maybe it could be me, he ends up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um He's a good dude. He was always giving good advice. He always stayed in the background. Um, apparently, that that guy had not had too many acting roles, if any, like before that. And I don't know. He does it pretty well. He has that like permanent scowl thing going on. Um, and I don't know if that's just his face or if he's acting, but it works. I like uh, it a lot. I think he looks good. Yeah, still is a good dude. Uh, Polly, garbage tier character. I'm absolutely condemning him to bottom tier characters of television history. Really? Why yeah. is that? Polly's a fuck, dude. Ever since, ever since that scene where he like sniffs Adriana's panties, like I'm like, bro, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like, and he does it because he knows one. Okay, he doesn't have. He's a fucking lonely ass old man. He doesn't have any kids. He's he doesn't. You know, I don't even know if he's like fucking anybody throughout the entirety of the show, which really said something if you're a fucking Italian mob guy and you're not fucking anybody like bro same thing with pussy same thing with pussy he didn't he wasn't fucking anyone either was pussy married though um shit I think he was I thought he was yeah Yeah, pussy was married so that is what it is but Paulie not married no kids not fucking anybody dog you gotta be a fucking reprehensible human being if, if that's you I've uh I've got to say one of my favorite quotes in the show was when they were on the boat and they were gonna kill pussy. And he was talking about how he was fucking some Cuban bitch or a Puerto Rican bitch, and Tony looks at him and he was like, "Does she even fucking exist?" <laughs> <laughs> that was like fucking prime that feeling no GF moment. <laughs> Does she even fucking exist? And uh, you know the whole thing. There were a few episodes near the end where Polly finds out that his um, aunt, who is a nun, is actually his mom, and his mom is actually his aunt. And he, like, freaks the fuck out over that, where it's like, I think the rational reaction to that is, like, your aunt had no responsibility to you. She didn't have to raise you. She didn't have to do anything for you. So once you learn that, I mean, you, you get, like, a brief, like, moment of like let me take a step back and actually try and like figure out who the fuck i am right now kind of moment but it shouldn't take too long to to walk out of that kind of situation being very grateful to your aunt who treated you as her son you know <laughs> like yeah. i don't understand why he reacted so poorly to that only because he's he's a fuck Polly's a fuck and that's why he's fucking old ass man who isn't even a captain yeah he wasn't even a fucking captain <laughs> He was so always so upset at Chrissy because Chrissy Chrissy was a captain. Because Tony wanted to keep Chrissy close on the blood on the blood level, but then Tony's like, "This guy is way too big of a junkie. This was such a fucking mistake." And you know, eventually it was kind of kept him around for a while. But I don't know, Polly. I feel like is a is a is a side character that you're supposed to laugh at. He's the clown. He's the clown side character that foils really well with uh, with Silvio, and that's why I put them together because they're totally two different people. Silvio's the voice of reason to Tony, and Paulie is the hot headed clown 
that you know wants to that kind of throws off it's it's good writing i think you know and i think they both play the characters really well now i do think that polly's a piece of shit because i think the stuff with the aunt and the and the mom like that was reprehensible and he the whole stuff with like uh the what's it called the funerals at the very end like you you know with chrissy when chris died and uh, i want to say it was his mom that died he was you know just he's, he's always got his fucking nose somewhere that's he is kind of a bad character in that regard but he's you know he's never supposed to be serious and i want to say that he doesn't even die in the show paulie no i think paulie lives yeah paulie lives i mean maybe he gets out of town afterwards but he uh he lives on screen what do you think about uh what do you think about bobby bobby um i think tony was right about bobby i think there's there's a one of the almost disappointing things about um the sopranos and i i'm struggling with this idea because i don't even know how accurate it really is uh but it seems like one of the themes they want to push in this show is the whole like you know uh hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times kind of narrative do you feel like that's accurate um i would say i would i wouldn't say it's like a leading theme or anything but i would say it's evident now and then it's at least there in the background where you have sure um you know Maybe there were a couple of generations where, you know, Tony's dad, uh, they talk about early on, I guess, how. No, that's that's more like Tony and and how he became um, made more of a name for himself. But I think I guess his dad, uh, whose name I can't remember, uh, it's probably Anthony, but because there's only like there's only like five Italian names. So whoever he was, he sort of like rose up in the ranks and, you know, did his thing for a while and became him and Corrado became very respected figures. But Tony made a name for himself when there was some there, there was some uh, robbery or something. And and that's what ended up with, like, Corrado in jail or something. I might be getting some things mixed up here because. Um, they talk about this within like the first three seasons or something, but Tony ends up missing that like job because he had a panic attack because of his mom and passed out. Do you remember a little bit more about that? Yeah, I do. Who was um, who all involved in it? You're killing me now. Could you, could you say it again? Sorry. It was how Tony made a name or how Tony and a few other people made their names for themselves and i think it's how corrado ended up in jail was because there was some heist they were oh wasn't it to pull. i want to say it was fucking jackie capri but he was dead yeah they they robbed the are you talking about they robbed the poker game yeah yeah that was it yeah yeah it was jackie capri but jackie capri's dead in the whole show um and tony did it with him and then, you know, Jackie Jr. and some other bozo tried to do it and they fucked up really bad. And one of them got shot and died. I can't remember what happened to the other one. But, yeah. Yeah. I think that that might have been Jackie who was the one who ended up dead. And Corrado might have been the other or somebody was the other guy and ended up in jail because of it. I can't I can't remember who. I don't know. What would you say about the show overall? Where, where does it fit in with your uh, with, with where does it fit in with other shows? 
uh, now that you've finished it, um, are you are you happy that you've you've set you've gone through the whole show? Because I like it. I th- I think it's a decent show. I don't I don't think it's like a a raving masterpiece, but I could see that this was like on network television. Yeah, this is pretty good for network television. Like at the time, and it's like quotably easy. It's, I feel like it's just a guy show, you know. Yeah. Um. I think if I was gonna like rank Mr. Panels in my in my categories of show where I've talked about before the like the bottom line for a great show is Boardwalk Empire. Um, anything less than that, anything that I don't think is as good as that, is gonna be uh, at most a pretty good show. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I need to rewatch The Sopranos because it's still, and this is this in itself is a statement that's like kind of heresy to to very big TV fans. I'm not sure if The Sopranos is a great show or a pretty good show at this point. I can't I can't even make a decision on that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I I just feel like I was watching nothing half the time. I think these seasons could have been shorter. I think if all these seasons were like 10 episodes or something, it would have been a lot tighter of a show. Um, There's a lot of stuff, especially the person that comes to mind is like stuff revolving around Artie as a character. I don't give a fuck, bro. I don't give a fuck. I don't need to. I I don't care. He's just some dude that like he was he was cool uh, as a to be shown in the early seasons as somebody who like Tony would just take advantage of, even though that was somebody he grew up with, like that let you know something about Tony's character. But after that, I don't care about him. I, this dude, he's if you cut out every Artie scene after uh, after he pulls up on Tony with the shotgun, cut out every Artie scene after that, I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't care. Um, he didn't matter. I think. Artie's a Artie's a pill, man. When 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 Tony <laughs> told Artie like no one cares about your jokes and shit, I was like, yo, damn, I agree, but that's 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 fire right there. How could you do that? How could you say that? There's definitely some ways where Tony could have approached that a little bit better, but like Artie's a fuck, dude. Like the guy he seems like one of those people that's very comfortable um associating himself with Tony. After he learns, kind of, you know, after he gets up to speed on who Tony is, he's very comfortable associating with Tony when it benefits him, but when it raises some problems for him, he wants to complain, but he also never goes directly to Tony about it. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's kind of a cluck, honestly. Like, do we he's like this guy? Cluck. Not really. Yeah, I we don't we don't need Artie. Um, I don't think he really adds anything to the plot. He just takes up minutes. And I think even in like 6A, there's a, a whole episode kind of about Artie. Um, I could have skipped that one. I didn't care about it. <laughs> it was, it, it was at the, I mean, maybe you don't even know, but it was the one where they're trying to like see who is stealing money from the store via yeah. like a card skimmer. And it yeah. was like the the newer Russian person that like was hosting or something. It's it's the fucking hot bitch he fought he hired because yeah. he thought he'd be able to fuck, but it's like, bro, you're already calm down. And 
Then when he finds out, oh, she doesn't want to fuck me, he's like, oh, now I'm gonna like, ruin her life. Like, yeah, bro, come so on. stupid. It was such a, it was, it was like such a bad like plot that like didn't even really tie back into Tony, but they just thought that the money was going to Tony. It's like, yeah, that was a pretty, that was a pretty rough one. Yeah, and um, I think this whole like six A six B thing, I don't care for it. I don't I, care for it either. What the heck? I, I think they could have probably cut like half of those and just put it into one season or like a third of it and put it into one season or something. Cause I think one of them's shorter than the other one. Um, the pacing I feel like on the show is also kind of a problem going through it where, like I was saying earlier, if these were like 10 episode seasons, it would have been a lot tighter, but they weren't. Um, so there's, there's just gets to be a lot of shit that just felt like it didn't really need to be there. Um, so I would have to watch it again to make like a definitive judgment as to whether this is a great show or pretty good show, because there's a lot of great things that happen. And I will say again, I think I said the first time we talked about the show, uh, Gandolfini is amazing as Tony, like he embodies that role. There's nobody I could picture as Tony Soprano other than him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I would, I would very strongly critique anyone that would disagree with that. I think my opinion of it is that it's a pretty good show with a lot of great moments, but a lot of the other moments just, you know, I think some of the, I think some of the inferencing too is really, really light handed. Like when I was watching, there's a couple other shows where if I'm not, you know, genuinely engaged with it, I'm going to miss at least a few things. I don't think the writing for the Sopranos is, meant to I, I think the show is not meant to be consumed very you know I, I think the barrier for entry for it is pretty low is what I'm trying to say I think there's a lot of great moments in throughout the whole show even stuff in season one like with the with the pedo soccer coach I think that shit's hilarious the TV the TV stays here my name is Clarence <laughs> that shit's fun like there's a lot of there's a lot of good writing like dialogue I think the dialogue is really really good in the show like I would say the dialogue is is certainly in the great tier like the dialogue is I would say it's in the top tier of shows for, with with dialogue goes but with a lot of other stuff and you know, maybe forcing enough content, you know, to keep it on the the thirteen episode schedule that network TVs have. Yeah, some there's moments that it gets pretty lame. I gotta say, I remember I remember a long time ago that I had seen an episode that was like so bad that it was like the one off that everyone like had to have made fun of. Do you want to take a guess at what episode I was referring to? I'm sorry, you said the episode that was so bad. What was that? It's so bad that it was like it felt forced. Like it was for like people make fun of the uh, the fly episode in in Breaking Bad because of how shit it is compared to everything else in the show. And uh, this show definitely has one of them. And uh, I want you to take a guess at which one it is. Can you give me a hint on which season it was uh yeah i had the fucking seasons up a minute ago no i don't i want to say it's in season three let me let me confirm oh, shit. season okay. it's season three or four it's one of those for sure i've got to figure out what the fuck okay it's season four okay season four uh i'm i'm just i'm just doing this based on um 
titles right now because I'm not going to be able to. I, I don't want to either like try and you know recall these episodes based on um you know their titles, but I also don't want to spend like ten minutes reading the the summaries of these episodes. Oh, yeah, so I'm yeah, going yeah. pie oh my. No pie oh my was that's okay. First of all, that's oh no, it is season four. No pie oh my is when him and Ralph are going looking at the horse and stuff, and that's okay. you know things are coming together on that. Okay. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Christopher. Christopher, Christopher is the episode oh, I was where close. The, okay. Christopher is the episode where they're fucking go off about Columbus and if Columbus is racist or not. But then Tony's like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm not fucking Italians and shit." <laughs> it's a ta- It was you know Christopher Columbo came here and it's 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 just fucking stupid. It's a terrible episode. The ending of it is bad. It's it's just bad top to bottom. That one's like a solid two out of ten or a one out of ten from ranking episodes. But yeah, that why one's is fucking Janice shit. the worst? Why is Janice the worst character in this show? Janice is from Seattle, so yeah. Mm, she's not from Seattle. She moved to Seattle. Okay, yeah, you're right. She moved to Seattle and she became a hippie. Remember that thing where that like when the person died and they tried or when Tony's mom died and they all tried to like she tried to like do the the gathering to like you know a life remembrance and stuff, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> everyone's like, "No, she was a fucking terrible person. Like your mom was yeah. horrible." Um, that was funny. And uh, and Carmela was like, "This is fucking stupid. You all need to leave." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say, Janice was pretty boring. I did like that she killed her old boyfriend though. That was pretty funny. Yeah, but she Tony also was like. She she did it in like the most pussy ass way ever, or she was just like fucking terrified of it afterwards. And it's like, come on. Well, that was come her first on. kill too, and he was beating the yeah, shit out of her, so. so he was she was yeah. she was pretty distraught. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was even like beating the shit out of her. From what I remember, he punched her once, which uh, not okay. You know, on the weekly drive-by, we don't condone domestic violence. But I mean, what what did you sign up for here? You know. I don't know. I don't think she really knew what she signed up for. She just wanted a loving husband that was part of the, you know, part of the crew and stuff. And I don't think any, I don't think any women really know unless, you know, it's like someone like fucking Chris, like, come on, Adriana knew what fucking Chris was. Yeah. I don't know. Janice, I guess maybe, yeah, she wasn't too, uh, too aware of what was going on there, but I like, you know, did Adriana have it coming? Are... Did she have it coming? Um, yes, because why would you tell him? Yeah, that was fucking stupid. She was she wanted to be with Chris so bad that she completely ruined all of that. Like, of course, Chris was super duper loyal to Tony throughout his whole life, and if and and Adriana had to have known. Why didn't she just duck and roll out of the car? Silvio taking her into the woods and shit. She knew she should have done that way sooner. Yeah, I don't know. I I I think maybe that's the whole thing with her is that like she wanted to believe Chris was better, uh, so she wanted to believe that that wasn't going to happen to her. But nah, bro, nah. I don't. I don't think she deserved it, but she definitely had it coming. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else to say about the show. I just want to get a lot of general thoughts, general stuff that happens here and there. I thought I, I enjoyed watching it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna swap to Boardwalk now. I don't think there's any other TV shows that I was super like in on. 
and uh, I said it. I said it many months ago, but I would watch Boardwalk after. So I've got my I've got my next show that I watch on the treadmill and stuff, and every now and then at home, and maybe I'll have some more time to watch TV coming up soon. That's cool because I I, I want to rewatch Boardwalk. I got up to season five on my last rewatch, and I already like I feel like season five was so fresh in my memory that I didn't really want to go through it again. Um, and going back through it again, I mean, Boardwalk has its flaws. I'll I'll be you know transparent about that, but there's a lot of stuff that happens um, over time. Like the thing about the Sopranos, I guess if I was going to like make a big distinction between the two shows that have Steve Buscemi in some kind of role, um, the Sopranos, I feel like everybody kind of does what you think they're going to do. Like I, I never felt like I was like super caught off guard by anything during that show. Like there were some moments like the, when the, uh, when the, feds came for for johnny sack um that surprised me yeah but none of the individual characters decisions ever really surprised me like it was always external forces acting on them um that the viewer just couldn't see coming because it was entirely external but with boardwalk i feel like sometimes the characters themselves do things that you would not expect yeah i would say um I would say that the only thing that really caught me a little bit off guard was when, um, <clears throat> um, like in the Sopranos, things that caught me off guard was when, what's this? I, you know, each example I like individually think of, I'm like, no, I kind of did see that coming. Like the only one that really stuck out was realizing that Chris flipped on Adriana. Because I don't know, I thought it, I thought from the acting in that scene that like maybe Chris would have gone for it, but then once I realized that Adriana got in the car with Silvio and that they were driving for a while and it was silent, I'm like, oh yeah, it's over for her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to Boardwalk. I am one episode in. I'm going to rewatch it because it's it's been it's been a while. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. I guess after that um i because i want to get to this and it's not going to take too long is it an update uh, of that movie no, no no um that i think i might actually end up saving for next week but what i want to get to now is a review of a new caffeine product that okay i may have mentioned on one of the hidden bonus episodes but i haven't mentioned here yet and i is it your was, mate no uh I decided to try this product again uh, because I saw it in the store and I was not curious about it, but I was like, this is going to save me some time. Yeah. These are uh, some things that are made by a company called the Seattle gummy company. So big, big friend of the show, Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name of it it's m-o-c-c-a shots so i've been saying in my head mocha shots but i don't know if they want to say mocha shots or something i i don't know exactly how they do it but these are caffeinated gummies so the past week i ended up trying two flavors of these gummies and i think i've tried both of them before um but it, it had been so long that like I, I, I didn't really even know what to expect from them. And 
part of the reason why I wanted to try it one, because it's just a gummy and you know, everybody likes gummies and two, you know, you sip on the sips for long enough. It starts to feel like maybe they're not hitting as hard. Like maybe I got to try this another way. It's like any drug, man, any drug where you do it the same way over and over again, it's, it's, you know, your tolerance builds up from that method. But once you try a new method, it's like, oh no, okay, this still works. So these maca shots, um, I tried two flavors of them. I tried the dark chocolate raspberry flavor and the um, salted caramel chocolate flavor. Both of them taste really great, actually. Uh, I was surprised at how good they tasted because I'm like, there's a caffeine gummy. It's probably going to taste like kind of bitter and, you know, they're just trying to pack the caffeine in and they're not actually going to care about the quality of the products. But no, these are any pack you buy is, I mean, the ones I bought were about 220 or 230, I want to say. Really? And there's, yeah, yeah. There's two gummies per pack and okay. each gummy has a hundred milligrams of caffeine. Oh, okay. That's less so than I are, thought, but yeah. These are, these are sip territory though, because you're paying $2 for 200, you're paying like 230 for 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's, that's pretty good sip territory, I think. So I, I feel justified in bringing them up on the show. I would say that. So, so I, I have a couple, I have a couple things. First off, I, I just kind of did the Google images and I typed in maca shots and I've got, you know, all these flavors that are in front of me. Uh, I will say the ones, the two, that, the two that you picked out, dark chocolate, raspberry, and salted caramel chocolate. Yo, you've got good taste in like artificial flavor in my phone. Has anyone ever told you that? You no, but not. I'm going to take credit for that. No, but um, I would try I Dutch chocolate. That. Dutch chocolate probably be pretty good too. I don't think I'd want mint. I don't, I, I don't. There's dark don't chocolate even... and orange too. I don't want that either. Yeah, I don't know if they only had three flavors at my grocery store. Um, and I don't know which one it was the white one. So yeah, it was uh, the Dutch chocolate one. No, 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 it wasn't Dutch chocolate because I would have bought Dutch chocolate. There was one other flavor that I didn't know what it was, but I didn't buy it. Um, it's not dark chocolate orange either. It might have been this, might have been mint chocolate. So you can buy a 12 pack of uh, of these on Amazon for $22. Is that, is my math right? That that's like better than like a dollar yeah. for a hundred milligrams. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. good. That's at yep. least better than you can get it. If it's a, I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, 12 pack for $22. Yeah. And there's a hundred milligrams of caffeine in each. So it's like one Oh five or something. I don't know. It's like small, but it's, it's, it's there. It's yeah. It's a, it's a reasonable, um, I would try this. I have never heard of this. I have never heard of this once. I'd uh, say look them up, dude. I I liked that dark chocolate raspberry better than I liked the salted caramel chocolate. Um, but that might just be personal flavor preference because both of them were really good. I would like both of those flavors. Yeah. And the only cautionary like tale I would have about these is that they are very chewy to the point where they're almost like uh, if you've had, uh, they're, they're, I, I would put them in like kind of Swedish fish territory where oh, yeah. that's the kind of chewy they are, where they will get stuck in your teeth if you're not like actively mashing at them. Um, but they're also, they don't have the coating 
on them that like sweet that like matte coating that Swedish fish have on them. So they'll be sticky when you take them out of the bag. Okay, so this shit's gonna get all over your fingers, is what you're saying? No, no, no. They don't. They don't like smear like that. It's just your fingers will feel a little sticky after it. Okay. I um, I think I I think I'd be down for these because I think the the counter argument to these is that you know like you can drink a bottle of water in an hour. You could drink a bottle of water in you know twenty minutes, or you can drink a bottle of water in one minute. What's gonna be the best? how's it what's the what's the best of those gonna feel like obviously not the one where you like chug a bottle of water as fast as you can like do you notice like any buzz or like any like tweaking with this a little bit i will say it it surprised me and how much faster it hit me than a regular sip because maybe it's just the whole like factor of you know if it's a sip you're like kind of you're sipping on it over time where this was a little bit closer to um, like what a caffeine pill felt like to me, where even when I was doing those, at least the most recent time, I would like break them in half. They were like 200 milligram pills and I would break them in half and, and just take half of it. It felt a lot more like that than like an energy drink. So I, I felt, I guess I felt like it would take a little bit more time to digest since it's a solid. Uh, instead of a liquid but no it definitely hits you like pretty quick and i i took one this morning actually i had the salted caramel chocolate one this morning because i needed to wake up early to do my wagey bullshit and it was like okay i'll take one and then you know this will at least make sure i don't fall back asleep early on in the morning but like 20 minutes later at the latest, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes later, I was like, okay, I'm up. I'm ready to start my day now. Like, let's go. Really? So do you yeah. think the quality of the caffeine that's in these mocha packs is either like better or long last, longer lasting or like, would you say that the quality of caffeine is better than this? Like, I mean, you've had coffee before, right? Whether it's cold coffee or hot coffee. Yeah. I mean, you know what caffeine, the effect of caffeine from coffee is on you. You know what the effect of a sip is on you what do you if you were to compare the three how would you do it so i think um coffee is smooth but not intense so i think coffee is like it'll you you the come up is very smooth like you'll never be like oh i'm totally tired and then you know two seconds later oh i'm fucking alert um but it's also like I've never had the experience with coffee where it's like, okay, I was tired when I started this and then I drink it. And now I'm like fucking ready. They like, you know, commit mass homicide or something. Um, with a good sip, I feel like it's smooth, but it's very energetic. Like it's intense. Uh, so like if I'm sipping on a bang for like about an hour, I will absolutely go from that. Oh, I have no energy to, Oh, I would commit mass homicide if somebody told me to right now. Um, Do you think this is like Adderall or something? <laughs> it sounds like Adderall. It's, it's, it's more, you know, it's like you just go from like, I have no energy to I'm ready to do whatever's got to be done very quick. Adderall is a little bit different for me. If, you know, if I'm, if I'm reaching back to the Adderall days, it's like, 
Adderall was never, I'm ready to commit mass homicide. It's more like I'm ready to read 3000 journal entries on how to commit mass homicide. You know, (laughs) I've never, I've never done Adderall. And I feel like my graduate student experience is going to be slighted forever because I never got to do Adderall while writing a lot. I just don't, I just, I don't, I don't have anyone to get it from. I, and I just don't care enough at the end of the day. It's, it's never been one I've taken. I had a friend in high school who had a script, so I, you know, and he actually didn't like taking it, so he would give it to me sometimes. So I, that that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, Adderall was like, I, I honestly, I, I will go on the record as saying I don't think there's a drug better than Adderall. I don't think anything has matched. Like, you know, not it's it's not like a super euphoric kind of thing. Like, you know, you've taken Molly, I haven't taken Molly, but. I think Molly is a lot more of like, holy shit, I feel so fucking good right now. Um, Adderall is a lot more like, holy shit, I can do whatever I want to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like, I would say that Molly is like, holy shit, my body feels so fucking good right now. I'm going to go fucking punch a gigantic tiger in the face and probably skin it. <laughs> and I'm going to, and then I'm going to. And then I'm going to go to a dance rave afterwards and I feel so good right now. My heart's pounding. And, you know, I think for, for LSD, I'm like, I'm unlocking my mind right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm unlocking the third eye. LSD. LSD for me is like, it's kind of like that, like that I'm unlocking my whole mind, but it's also like, Oh, this is everything that's actually happening in reality that I just don't notice. And most of the time it's like you know you get to a point in acid trip where after you're like either after you're coming back down or you're reflecting on the trip you're like no bro i was just on drugs like that's all it was (laughs) like like, whoa what the fuck was that (laughs) like i could never like even if i did it at like noon like i would still have the after effects at like 3 a.m and stuff and um i would you know i'd wake up the next day i'd be like oh shit that was wild (laughs) holy fuck god that's over That's the whole thing of like, like you, you, I, nobody really gets addicted to LSD. Like on the one hand, it's not like, it's not physically addictive, like at all that, like based on, you know, scientific studies or trials or whatever, or just like, you know, people reporting that it's, it's not physically addictive at all, but it's also mentally like, I can't do that that often. Like (laughs) I, I can't remember the last time I did it, but you know any of the times that i didn't do it it was like this is something that's like maybe it maybe once a month like i don't i don't want to go through this again like it was fun but it's fucking it's taxing it's tiring it's exhausting yeah, i completely agree if i so where did you buy this uh where did you buy these mocha shots i bought them at the fucking piggly wiggly my dog that's what i figured i'm like i see the that there's prices on what where where do, what aisle is this in is this next to the fucking C4 and Alani like protein powder that's going to unlock your dick and, and like, you know, pre-workout, whatever? <laughs> I can't. I mean, I think it was in the like the the baking chocolate aisle, if I'm remembering right. What? Next to I think it was in the co- like the coffee bean aisle, like they're on opposite sides of the aisle. I think it was there. OK, that makes a little bit of sense, like in the coffee aisle around there. That's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm gonna give it a look next time I go, because Aldi does not carry any of these, and I go to Kroger for like very specific things. I'm gonna give it a, and coffee's not been one of them for a while, so I I just gotta look around a bit. So um, 
I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna get one of those flavors too. Like I'll I'll definitely at some point. Probably like next time I go to Kroger, which is some maybe soon. So I've uh what else am I gonna what else do I wanna put in here? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to one of your topics still. So if you okay. wanna save that other one for last for or for next week, then how about how about uh shit, where the fuck's your list? Oh, the the pass, the fucking whatever this medium pass criticism. Like, is this a way to like not be a dick in ranking things or something? It's so it's kind of like that, but it's more like a way to. Uh, so imagine you know you you sign up for some new forum or you're in some new like online community or something that's built around like maybe they really like music or movies or video games or painting or or books or like any of that kind of stuff any sort of artistic endeavor okay and you find a a thread maybe or a topic or something where they're asking what are your top 10 of these um this is a foolproof method method sorry foolproof method i cannot say that word this is a foolproof method to uh impress these people okay okay this is this is how you show up to your online community or forum or whatever and you don't look like a pleb but you also don't look pretentious like a try hard right right exactly so there's a formula to this okay anytime you you get a top 10 um five of those picks they should be like absolute classics none of them can be at the top of your list because if you put an absolute classic at the top of your list, then you're, you're you know, you're going to look boring. Just, yeah, you're going to look boring. Just nobody does that. You don't do that. It's like an unwritten rule. Um, so five, f- five of the positions in your list from positions like two to ten should be absolute classics that everybody in that community will recognize and generally agree is at least good. So nobody like it doesn't have to be everybody thinks these are like among the greatest of all time or whatever. It just has to be something that everybody will know and at least be like, okay, I slightly enjoyed that. Like I'm not going to pick a fight with this person over them, including that in their top 10, you know, like I'm not going to insult this person's taste for, for them having that in their top 10. Yeah. So those are five spots in there. You need another three spots for sort of second tier classics, you know, stuff that people might have a problem with. Like these are still generally things that like people who are familiar with that genre would definitely know. And they probably have some kind of opinion on, they might not love it, but they at least they, they see it and they're like, okay, I can spot that one. Like it's, it'll say those three second tier classics generally should say something about what you want your personality to be perceived as because those are the ones that are not like things that everybody agrees are good so you have to like kind of be able to argue for them a little bit but they're also not so high up on like the list of all-time acclaimed things that like you're a drone for including them you know Mm -hmm. so So, those are things oh you go on i guess those are things that add some character to your list but do not uh maybe do not necessarily 
add clout, but they also don't add anti-clout, you know? Yeah. I would. So before you, before you explained yours, I, once I realized that what you were going to describe, I, I thought of a four, three, three breakdown. Four of your 10 are the absolute classic stuff. That's going to be on, uh, I don't know, like around 10 to 20% of people's list, which for like a lot of let's, let's take Pulp Fiction, for example, but how much do you think of like Pulp Fiction's like total ratings? Do you think like five and tail of probably like somewhere to 10 to 20% of all of its ratings? Like, you know, maybe somewhere around there. It's pretty generous, maybe like 25. Uh. So I would say four of them have to be pretty much classics. And then uh, the three in the next are kind of like your your class your your second tier classics. What you described as your last three, I would say my middle three are like the second tier classics, which should also really say something about you. And you know, it should it it could even be like you know low A or high B tier classics, like kind of right on that line, right on that border, and then. The last three, that's 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 where you show off. That's the, the last three are your show off. You know, stuff that's like fairly esoteric, but man, that shit better sound really fucking good. Because someone that tries to figure out something about you, that's good. That's where they're gonna go. They're gonna throw on one of those albums or one of those whatevers, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take it, and they're gonna make a judgment about you from from that first one. They they probably won't even listen to the to the other two, but those esoteric like the th- of those three, that shit better be fucking really good because you're gonna get judged on that pretty hard. Like yeah, they they could skim the the middle three like those middle tier classics of uh, of stuff that people know about. You know, if I was gonna like look at some some middle tier like shoegaze or middle tier like uh, post rock, like I would I could I could probably get like a beat on someone. But the stuff that I haven't heard of, and I decide to listen to one of those, that's that's where I'm going to form, like, honestly, probably like 90% of my opinion. Or I'm going to use it to confirm an opinion I already had. So that shit better be really fucking good, because th- that's going to be where a lot of the criticism comes from. Right. Um, I think, you. yeah, you, you predicted my last category there, which is... Oh, I'm sorry. I our, thought that our... was your last... I thought the one, the last one was your last category. No, no, no. I, I, so you have a 4-3-3 rule. I have a 5-3-2 a, a rule. Um, so my last two are like those esoteric albums where... And that was the exact word I had in my head was esoteric, where it's something that probably most people who are looking at your top 10 list have not heard. Like they, they, they do not know what idea it is. So they see that on your list and they're like, oh, fuck, I haven't heard that. Like this motherfucker knows something I don't know. And so they get like kind of insecure about that for a little while. So they have to like they can't say your entire list is bad because they haven't heard everything on your list. And they can't they can't even like make a comment on your entire list. Like they, they find themselves in this position of inferiority because they can't even make a comment on something on your list. So your esoteric picks, if your esoteric pick is number one on your list, yeah, like you're saying, that better be fucking good. Because if your eso if your number one esoteric pick is bad, your whole rep is ruined right there. It doesn't matter what else is in your top ten list. It's over. So that better be something that you put a lot of fucking thought into. Um, if your esoteric picks are not in your number one slot, 
you got some leeway there. You can throw in something that absolutely fucking confounds people as long as it's not a clear contrarian pick. There are some albums that are, and I'm using albums as an example here just because that's what I'm most familiar with. There are some albums that are such clear contrarian picks that if anybody sees them on your top 10 list, you're too much of a tryhard. If you put Speed and Bolt to Heaven in your top 10, you're, you're too much of a tryhard. Yeah, and it's just bad because someone's going to listen to it and be like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? It's not even that it's just bad. It's that it's like everybody knows that it has a reputation for being bad. So if that's in your top 10 list, if that's like, you know, anywhere on there, especially if it's your number one spot, you lose all credibility right there. Yeah, same thing with like the fucking Corey Feldman album. You know, you put that in there, everybody knows you're not serious already. Yeah. So you have to find some sort of esoteric album that on the one hand has not like, you know, it has to actually be esoteric. You can't just be like, you got a bad reception or something like you can have unpopular pick. Maybe, maybe you can even break that down a little bit further where of those two esoteric picks, maybe one of them can be just something unpopular and that one has to be lower on your list, but the other one has to be like genuinely unknown. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, there's a good breakdown. Yeah, you, you're if your esoteric pick is very high up on your list, like you know, number one, especially, or even like in your top three, it's got to be good. But that's it. You got to have five absolute classics, in my opinion. If you're trying to, if you're specifically crafting your list to impress some motherfuckers on the internet, you got to have five absolute classics. You have three second tier classics and you got two esoteric picks. I would say I probably agree with you for the purpose of that, like to, to try and impress someone, because, you know, if you can do like five, like split it down the middle, like they'll probably still feel superior because, you know, they'll, you'll have five that are really baseline stuff that's been discussed ad nauseum already that you, you know, will say that is in your top 10. They'll, that not that they'll think the rest of it's cute, but they'll be they'll they'll kind of smile fondly at the at the two like esoteric and maybe even some of the B classics that you have, where you know they'll they probably won't think that you're trying too hard just because you have half of of Ms. classics. I like the breakdown. I think we see pretty closely on it. I've got a I've got a story about this week. So this is a this is kind of tying into the epilogue from from earlier. But what a what a basically so the long story is when I first got to to VT there is a there was there used to be a social and they would go to I want to say it's like a deli or a sandwich shop and I never really bothered because I was like oh I have to drive back to campus or something and um actually I wasn't even driving I just I just didn't want to like I don't know there I, I never felt like it and it was later on a Friday and stuff and. I never, uh, just never fucking bothered. And then COVID happened, it stopped. And now this tea thing has come back. It's really like just coffee and donuts at like two o'clock. Actually, I met some really cool people that, um, last Friday that I talked to for a long time. Um, and it's, it's kind of like very sad because, you know, in talking with them, I, you know, was there for like a few hours. Then I met up with them at a, at one of the, bars and i guess you know our kitchen like bar and grill i guess that's downtown and uh, i was talking with them and there's they're really nice people and stuff and it's like oh we're all graduating in like a month and a half you know which i would have met you sooner sort of thing so um 
you know, I kind of had like, that was part of the breakdown is that I was like, man, what if I met these people four years ago? Wouldn't that have been really nice? Like maybe, you know, that's some, met some people if I just like stomached and had some balls like four years ago, huh? Yeah, that's a, that's a story about regret is uh, you should definitely just do shit. And I, I kind of told my mom this. I was like, yeah, you remember the whole like bringing, you know, raising me thing where you're like, yeah, you should definitely go and just try stuff. And, and, I, and I actually did. I remember I remember I was like in a small club for a while, but I kind of realized that everyone like I didn't really like anyone that was in it enough to stay to stay doing it. But yeah, I was like, yeah, I kind of see this now that I should have done that a while ago and I was you know that was that was my Sunday. That was actually no it was my Saturday. Sunday I was I started packing a lot yesterday. Yeah. I mean that's that's always like a a, a tough feeling of like when you finally go do something that like you probably always or at least for a while could have done and it's like damn why didn't I do that sooner? You know, I, I completely understand that. Yeah it was uh it's actually really weird because it was the first like group of people I met that were like specifically f- studying metals and stuff. Like they were studying like metal injections and molding and stuff. And they, uh, they have like a couple company. One of them uh, is moving to mobile actually down in Alabama, mobile, 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 mobile yeah. whatever. So it's like, whatever. Um, but they're, they're trying to work at like SSAV or something at like some giant steel mill. I don't know. I think that's like one of the bigger companies in Alabama. I don't know but, what it is. Yeah, these it's kind of weird because like I have I have the probably complete opposite end of being in material science where it's like honestly more like electrical engineering major stuff. Like I don't I don't really have a whole lot of material science like that's in my thing, but yeah. Like optic fiber optic stuff is really more electrical and like trying to discuss like what I do and they discuss what they do like what the fuck we don't do anything like close to each other at all and we're both material science yeah it makes complete sense um that's they're 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 cool people i'm gonna you know hung out with the one time so there's a lot of cool there, there's cool people out there you just have to go and find them i guess is the story to this regret but that um that was one thing that happened oh no do you want to get to the albums now yeah i mean we're we're getting pretty late in the show, so yeah, we should probably get to the albums now. Um, I will start out with an album that I did not listen to until right before the show started because I've been a very, um, very compliant but unhappy wagey recently, which I'll get onto that next week. I, I think I've put it off two weeks now, but like it's, I'm finally like wrapping up the big project that we've been working on, and it's like, fuck everybody, man. Um, <laughs> So I listened to one minute of every song on this White Lung album. Uh, that's the album I'm getting to this week. It's by a band called White Lung. They have been inactive for about six years to this point, and nobody knew what was going on with them. Um, turns out they just like were kind of just like not doing music stuff. And so they put out a new single a couple of months ago back in September, and we're like, Hey guys, we know you missed us. So this is our last album. (laughs) Wow. All right, guys. That's, that's cool. Um, but I've been into them for a while. Uh, I don't think I listened to them back in 2012 when their debut album, sorry came out, but it has become one of my favorite punk albums of that decade. 
um it's very raw just very intense but also like got good production to it which is i think it's hard to do like a hardcore a noisy hardcore punk album that keeps that like raw intense feeling but also still has like kind of glossy production and and do it well and i think they did it on that one um ever since then they've been kind of following this trajectory kind of like what i was talking about when i was talking about elder last week um where they start off kind of raw and intense but they get more melodic and and clean it up over time and um i've been going back through these albums recently and I do think their 2016 album Paradise is better than their 2014 album Deep Fantasy, where Deep Fantasy kind of was like, I hate this term, um, but it was like a, a, a transitional album where it wasn't as raw as Sorry, but they hadn't figured out the melodies. Paradise. Mm-hmm. I also. I got disconnected again. Did you see I, that? I, I did see it and I kind of heard it. Um, but you're back. Still recording. All right. White Lung, 2012 album, Sorry, Great. 2014 album, Deep Fantasy, Good. 2016 album, Paradise, Good, but better than Deep Fantasy. 2022 album, Premonition. From the, the minute that I listened to of every song, because I had to fucking speed run this, this 29-minute album. Um, I think it's their best in Sorry, actually. I was surprised. Damn. I didn't think it was going to be... I thought it was going to... Especially... Considering the artwork, which you saw it when I sent you the link to the album. I despise it. Looks absolutely terrible. Um, but, you know, all things considered, them, you know, putting out some terrible artwork in, uh, and then um, coming back after six years, I was expecting this. And, you know, especially after two, like, good, not great albums or anything that were, like, very barely good. I think um, Deep Fantasy is carried by like two great singles. Uh, if it weren't for those, it, it or I'm sorry, Paradise is carried by two great singles, um, and those are um, um, those are Below and Hungry. Those are great songs. Uh, I was expecting like something very half-assed, and even you know the rating on Premonition. Um, it's at a 3.25 right now, which is lower than Paradise. Uh, Premonition is at a 3.25 after about 150 ratings. Paradise is at a 3.28 after about 1,500 ratings. Deep Fantasy is a 3.42 after about 1,800 ratings. And Sorry is about a, 50, a 3.51 after 1,500 ratings. And their their first album is The Evil is a 3.4 after... 570 ratings but no one cares about that one what i like about premonition is that i feel like they're comfort they're more comfortable with their melodic side than they have been on the past few albums which you know is good because they've been tending into more of a melodic direction uh since then but it kind of felt like maybe they thought that they had to be a little bit too closer to that like intense side uh, and they hadn't kind of reconciled how they want to write songs going forward with the music that they made in the past. Um, so I think they kind of got a, a better handle on this on this album. Um, the first song, Hysteric, 
it comes out of the gate really anthemic. Like it's these big major key chords that kind of have you anticipating something that like is going to be, is going to be, uh, you know, very catchy and very intense, but at the same time is like positive energy, which is very rare. I feel like for, for their, their past work. Um, so I was excited to hear that. Um, they kind of go through and do, you know, kind of some of the, like what they've done for their whole career after this, which is, you know, they're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, you know, kind of clean sounding punk band. So we have to keep doing that. And, you know, they're, they're almost too indebted to their identity to really do anything too impressive at this point. Um, but under glass, that's the fourth song on the album. I think there's, there's some really great, great clean tones on that one with the guitar and their guitarist, um, I want to say it's still Kenny McCorkle cause he was the, he was the guy doing it until this point. Um, yeah, he's, he's really great. Um, he's coming up with like some pretty good riffs, especially for a, for a hardcore guitarist. Like I'm not expecting him to do anything that really catches my attention. I'm just kind of expecting him to do something that, you know, serves the intensity of the song, but he's constantly like, almost like the way a good drummer is going to put in a good fill at a certain point. Um, like he'll write the fills into his riffs, but it's something that didn't need to be there, but is there. And once you hear it, you're like, that that's like some nice finesse there. Like you appreciate the finesse of Kenny McCorkle's guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really refreshing to hear on an album of of this genre. Um, the rest of it, you know, they're really just kind of going through the motions on it. Like it's it's just they're they're doing what they do, and nothing from track four to track nine really stood out to me in any kind of way. At least from you know the first minute of it that I heard. And then the last song on it, track 10, is called Winter. I was happy that this is one of the most intense songs on the album because the worst thing, I've talked about this before, the worst thing you can do on your you know, high-energy punk album is make your closing song kind of weak, you know, something yeah. that kind of underwhelms and is like your slower or sadder or more reflective kind of moment. They're going to do a 180 on that whole thing and the last song on here is one of the most intense songs on the album. And that's how I think you need to close some shit like this. Like that's what seals this into being their best album since sorry, is that they finish strong. So overall, you know, not too much to say about this one. Um, this is a three out of five. This is another one of those like good albums that I would, I'm happy I listened to. I wouldn't try and like push on to anyone necessarily. Uh, but it did what it needed to do. It got in and got out in less than 30 minutes, this 29 minute album. And it's a good, you know, finishing moment for a band who their life was not that long. Their discography is not that varied, but they, at least for a while, were doing what they did better than a lot of other bands doing it. Um, and I know I talked about their albums earlier, um, but they also put out a single in 2012 called Two of You, which absolutely fucking rips and is in like my best singles of the decade. Um, so I'm happy White Long existed. 
uh, Mishway or Mish Barber way, I guess. Um, she's had some interesting political takes over the past few years, especially. Um, I don't want to get into that because it's, it's a whole fucking, you know, she, she hasn't gone full Kanye, but there's been some stuff that like, Jesus, really, um, what, what is kind of funny is there's, uh, some, some obscure metal band, uh, around 2016, I want to say who did not have the money to make their new album. So they like tried to like crowdfund it or something. I want to say they did it on Patreon. And she wrote an essay that basically was just calling them pussies and was saying that like, motherfuckers, you need to just work harder. Like who are all these people you're hiring to like book your shows and shit? Just do it all yourself. Like you don't, you're, you're wasting money. You're not working hard. You're weak men because feminism made you weak men. And it was just a really funny essay to read. Um, but she eventually like talked to like the front man of that band or whatever. And they, they like, you know, came to an understanding. They really just probably said, please stop bl- bl- fucking blasting us <laughs> in public. Like, that's what I would do. That's the only discussion that would be had is I would just be like, Yo, come on, please stop blasting us in public like this. I'm not trying to fight. Can we just stop this whole thing, though? Please, please. Yeah. The only other thing, like at one point, she she did give like kind of a, a little shout out to, I think, the, the founder of the Proud Boys. So it's like, huh? Oh, my. That's- All right. Does she, does she, maybe she thinks that like punk is like against the common narrative. Is she like one of those morons that like that, that punk has to be like contrarian to the media or something? I don't know. I, I don't want to like try and read her mind and figure out why she has some of the confusing takes that she does. But if I was going to, I think part of it comes from uh, maybe like, her experience being in, you know, being the, the, the front person for, for a punk band, being a woman in front of a hardcore punk band and like kind of seeing some stuff that comes out of that. So I don't know. Um, is what it is. White lung, good band. Listen to sorry. Great album. Listen to two of you. Amazing single. Take the rest at, you know, you know, your, your own, your own caution and Mish Barberway. I don't care about your politics. You're a fucking nobody anyway. So who cares? Ball the fuck out. Gunshot to gunshot to Mish Barber Harway. Wait, what? what was her name? Exactly. I don't even remember. Um, so the album I listened to this week uh, was a bit of a was a bit of a a, a, a turn, a detour, I, I guess. It was a uh, not something I would normally listen to. I don't listen to a whole lot of. Uh, I don't. I, this isn't even like drone metal, but it's it's like drone metal mixed with like an entire jazz ensemble, and the result is a concept album that talks about Neptune being summoned and fighting Cleopatra. And first off, I gotta say this band is from Belgium. Belgium's not a country. It's it's not. You guys are French. You guys are Dutch. You guys are one of the two. You guys are not. Fuck. What's the word? Belgish? Belgium? Belgian? Yeah, Belgian. Belgian. Gunshot. Um, yeah, gunshot to that. Uh, I gotta say, I was listening to this album. I was thinking about first. Okay, so first off, I was thinking the whole first song fucking sucks. It is five and a half minutes of like moaning and like seancing and 
that was an immediate filter. Um, I, I knew it was going to be a filter and I, I persevered, but my God, that song blows. It is not good. It's got a 3.2 on the song rating, which means most people do not like it. I mean, you have to be pretty bad of a song to get a 3.2. Um, second of all, I'm not even going to try. We're just going to call that song Empowering the Furba. That does not get good until halfway through. So right there, off the bat, you are roughly nine minutes into a 66-minute album. You have not heard a single good thing yet. And from that point on, to summoning, uh, that shit's pretty fucking hard. I got to say, the jazz goes crazy. There's like a, a bass saxophone, I guess. You know it's you know that sound like when a saxophone is doing a really dirty fart, like it's you know really low pitched and it's like really squeaking out like you know the saxophone noise. It's like when when uh when Fantano used to talk about like farty synths, you're talking about like farty saxes. Yeah, I'm talking talking about a farty bass saxophone, I guess the the lowest pitched saxophone that you can have. Um, this was definitely that. Uh, there, it actually, it actually sounds pretty well. Like I'm not trying to use fart as like a bad part, but that's the only thing I can think of when it, like some guy that's going on the bass saxophone is just like really ripping some stuff out. Um, that sounds really good. Then you have the rising, which is, you know, like more seance bullshit. And then, and then this shit gets fucking really good. I gotta say quaternary the the wars of quaternary here i don't know so i don't know are these guys indian are they belgian like what's going on with these names they're in french too i don't know what's going on but quaternary and the song after um la six mia extinction of masses anthro anthropocene <laughs> genocide like i don't fucking know what this shit is um but those two songs songs five and six those go fucking hard. Those are those are energy throughout the entire thing, um, and they're very, very, very strong. I, I, if you look at the page, Neptunian maximalism. I I also didn't say the name in the album, but this is a the artist is named Neptunian maximalism, and the name of the album is a live album. Apparently, it's called Finis Gloriae Mundi. Uh, I don't know what that means in Latin, um, but I do know that these that this uh this band has a guy whose last name is Nietzsche and uh his only credit is sound effects so I mean that guy's a bozo but I mean a lot of other a lot of, I mean this guy the the lead for this uh Guillaume Guillaume Cazalette he's got six different freaking or no he's got five different um no shit six guitar bass sitar flute oh harp and vocals and then you have saxophone. You got, you know, there's a lot of instruments. There's a lot of people that are in on this. There's a lot of performers. It's like kind of a big band. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that big band is not, you know, part of the genres or descriptors or anything. Instead, we have tribal ambient. Have you ever listened to a tribal ambient album, Marcus? What, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's let's click on tribal ambient and see how many albums of all time can be ranked as tribal ambient. A sixteen hundred albums. All right. Um, peaking at nineteen ninety four, tribal ambient. Um, yeah. Okay, that's just ambient. I'm trying to think. Where's a? Damn, I can't. 
sort by instead of sorting by release date. Oh, I can only sort by release date. It's so fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I don't know, but you can't like sort tribal. Well, you could do it on the chart, I guess, but I'm too lazy. You know, we'll find out what the number one tribal ambient album of all time is. Um, so back to the album. Neptune's Rising, the actual song, is very weak. It's very, it's like very, very quiet. There's like a lot of silence. And then there's like a flute solo that comes at the end of it, which is honestly like, not like the Korean flute solo, which is really the Chinese flute solo from last week. Like this is like a boring flute. It's like, it's like raising a, a aquatic creature from the grave or something. I don't really, I don't really know what's going on during it, but it's pretty weak. And then you have um, the last two songs, eight and nine. Conference of the Stars, Part One, Cleopatra, that goddess, and then the Conference of the Stars, Part Two, the Ascension. Uh, both this shit goes really hard, especially Part Two. Part Two is Part Two is a is a journey, and it's 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 a lot. I, I I don't have anything else to say other than you know about free jazz, but this shit has this shit has themes of like of satanic of Satanism of exorcisms of raising like primordial beasts and i mean look at the just look at the album cover man like come on you you know this shit's gonna hit at a lot of places you know it's it's got like performance robes what do you even call those i mean they're just curtains like i don't know but it's got the skull and the crossbones in the middle of the sigil and half this album hits really fucking hard Half this album is also probably, I mean, I would say that there's a solid 20 minutes of, like, nothing going on. That if you just, if you honestly just played songs like 2 and 3, and then 5 and 6, and then 8 and 9, you'd have 20 minutes, one, uh, 34 minutes, and then 14 extra minutes. So that's 48 minutes. That, that'd be pretty good. So yeah, about a forty-eight minute album. So so what you're saying here is what you're saying here is that maybe the fact that this is like a sixty-six minute album, maybe that's a bad idea, and it didn't need to be that long. And generally, things of this nature should not be that long. I'm talking and but- that when you were giving me shit for not wanting to listen to this because it's a sixty-six minute album, that maybe I was right. I don't have a, I so so this one's tough because I mean we, we've talked about concept albums before, and you know what quantifies a concept album. This one certainly does. It's it's, it's fucking like this is like the primordial version of like terminal redux, the in in a very different way, and I think that there's just a lot of I mean terminal redux didn't have filler on it. That, I mean that's I guess what you would say the difference is. They're really going for like a. It's like sun, like the band, like dyed their robes red, and then there were like five of them, and they made a pentagram, and they summoned Neptune. So first of all, I don't know why they're summoning Neptune. Like Neptune's blue, and and all this shit that this is a very red sounding album. Like the album cover's red. Like what's up with that? Like what is Neptune? Like is Neptune a like a a beast? Can you can you enlighten me on that? I thought Neptune was like a god. 
Yeah. So, so Neptune is um, the god of um, like freshwater, I think. Um, if if you Google it, it'll it'll bring up that Neptune is. Uh, the god of waters and seas who controlled winds and storms. And then the Wikipedia says Neptune is the god of fresh water and the sea in, in Roman mythology. But I'm trying to, why would, why would Neptune be red? Um, I feel like that's just like, you know. I guess they're trying to make a storm. Like that's, that's what I would say is they're trying to make like a mega storm out of, with like Neptune. But I, I was thinking about it during like the parts that go really hard. Like part of the 40, 48 minute like meat and bones version that removes all the concepty stuff of like silence and drone that you know pushes the runtime inflates the runtime like to an obscene degree. If you listen to the meat and bones, I was like, dude, Marcus fucking love this shit. Like, Mark, you would you would absolutely love the the forty eight minute cut uh, that I mean doesn't exist, but you could just like download those songs. Um, that's that's what I would recommend. Like I think you would like that, like those jazzy aspects a lot, and I I think it's mixing two types of music that you really like, and you just need to not listen to the fucking sixties. I mean, you wouldn't anyway, but like, just I mean, no one needs to. I I was like really struggling through it. <laughs> but when it pulls you in, holy shit, it rips you in. It does not pull you. It fucking launches you in. So. I uh, I don't have a score yet because I'll be honest I listened to it like once and I I would probably rather listen to it again as like the 48 minute version and then I'll just like take off either a half star or a star from it I'm not really sure yet but we we need to we need to listen to this again that's that's my verdict it's it's very crazy it's it's up there with I mean it as far as like the jazz stuff that that goes hard it goes about as hard as like most of these other jazz bands that are rated very high like as far as people that have a lot of instruments in it so that's that's my that's my review what do you got? yeah a lot of gunshots i don't know it's like it's got a lot of good parts in it i gotta say like i, I i'm just in this moment like i need to give it a better listen to to really rate it because i you know today i i did push it off to today too but like i didn't I didn't listen to it once a minute. I listened to it after I finished the Sopranos, <laughs> which was at like, uh, that was, I finished Sopranos at like 6.54, I think, or something. So I was like just finishing it up as a, as yeah. a shit starting. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it again and give a, give a real opinion next week. But I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I think I'm cutting it there. I don't know. I don't really got much else to talk about. Like I'm just dick deep in fucking work and shit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a good time to call it here. And maybe next week. Um. Well, I don't know when. When do you think you're gonna like have a lot of shit finished by? I so so here's the thing. I won't even have my desktop next. Well, actually, no. Yeah, I will next week. Uh, the twelfth. I'm good next week. I keep thinking it's like a week earlier than it act or no, a week later than it actually is because I'm like trying to mentally prepare all this stuff that's gonna happen, you know, over the break. Like I was already packing my apartment up like yesterday. So no, I'm good for I'm good next week, Monday. 
Uh, I could even probably do Sunday if you wanted, if you already know, like you want to wagey, ragey, fucking scream out and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty good for next week. Like I leave on Tuesday morning, so. And maybe Sunday would be a little bit better then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do let's do Sunday at eight then. All right, but, getting uh, back to the the old days. Yeah, getting getting back to the original programming. It's the I, I don't know. Is it the holiday the holiday season finale of the year? <laughs> I don't know. It's like probably yeah. about the same time when like networks would be wrapping up. I know, like I keep seeing fucking stupid commercials for season finale of shows and stuff. Yeah, they go on there like winter breaks and stuff. But we we can we can discuss a lot of that stuff off air. Um, for now, yeah, let's just call it. Uh, what's the name of this the show? Has been, this has been. Rip, rip, Kendrick. Rest of power, King. <laughs>